you when you need to know what's happening, it's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason Lacanfora. Back for another edition of In the Huddle, Carl Dukes. Put him up along with my man Brian Baldinger. Of course, Baldy's breakdowns. He's all over the place right now. And of course, guys, you can check him out at NFL Network. Brother, I, I, uh, I over the weekend, I, I'm doing some work and uh, I look up and, and I see you, you know, with the Cowboys. And, and I, I hear you say, hey, you know, uh, one of the big guys is coming over here in just a few minutes. And I'm like, who's he talking about? And here comes Micah Parsons. And I'm, I texted you and I said, I'm so jelly right now. What a <laughs> you're having. Well, we're having fun. We're having fun. That's a big thing, Carl, honestly. Like, you go out there and you can get um, you get all wrapped up in all the stories. And, you know, I mean, and that's, that's news and people follow it and it's important. But honestly, I mean, this is training camp. It's, it's a lot different than when I played, but it's still camp. Like, nobody really wants to be there. But <laughs> good time with these guys. You know, Mike is a good guy. Uh, he likes to have fun. He's trying to get better. He wants to be the best. He wants to be the defensive player of the year. But, you know, so you just go around and you see some of these guys. You renew relationships. You start building some new ones. Right, Carl? And then, you know, whatever you can glean. Mike McCarthy, new play caller in Dallas. You know, what's different, Mike? Um, he goes, he hadn't called play since 2018. And the game's changed a lot. You know, I mean, whether it's you're, you're more up-tempo, you, you cut the verbiage down. I mean, there's just things that have changed since he was last a play caller. So, you know, you kind of find out what that might entail for Mike. And then you kind of look at the talent they have on defense and you go, this is going to be a great defense. I mean, they got, <laughs> Loaded. They got speed. They got depth. Um, you know, they uh, they asked Mozzie Smith, the, the rookie out of Michigan, uh, like what kind of goals he had this year. And what he's working on, he goes, I don't know. I don't have any. I just want to hit the quarterback. You know, like, just, you know, just you, you get a young guy and he just says something like that. And you go, okay, we can work with that. Hit the quarterback. That's that's a good start for anybody. Well, let's talk about uh, – and I also uh, – what's all the, the – I saw you with T.J. Watt, like, trying to do some stuff. or who? What, yeah. What's going on, man? What's all yeah, this well, stuff? Well, I, I went – so this is – this is where you might not be jealous. All right, Carl? Like, I was in Dallas all day Saturday up in Oxnard. And then, you know, I took my mother and my sister to dinner. And then I got on a red eye, got off the red eye, went straight to Eagles practice. So, like, that's never, that's never, like, uh, easy to do for anybody in any, you know, any kind of work. But you're out there and, you know, there's Jalen and Jalen Hurts, like, just the ultimate leader. So, you see the Eagles, you talk to Nick Sirianni, you see the guys, you see what Jalen Carter looks like and you go, and you talk to the guys, and it's early, but they're like, he's raising eyebrows. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he, yeah. I think he's going to fit in. You know, and then, you know, and then I I, uh, I, got a, I got on a plane the next day, went to Pittsburgh, and I was out there in Latrobe yesterday. And so I'm like, I can sit down and talk to TJ and talk to Patrick Peterson and talk to Cam Hayward and, and have a great time. But it would be better if I got out of this chair and just started, you know, all right, TJ, tell me, if I'm a – vertical setter if I'm a you know I'm a 45 degree setter like what are you thinking about how are you attacking me you know and then next thing I know he's 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 ghosting me he's got his hand grabbing grass turning the corner <laughs> I'm like all right he's going to give a lot of right tackles a lot of problems this year he looks healthy he's back from that torn pec last year and um you know there it was the first day in pads everybody was excited Tomlin was excited the players were excited um they got a couple drills that they do 
that uh, you know they know they got to strap it on. It's it's you know everybody's watching. Both sides, offense and defense, are going at it. They're fighting for steak and lobster on the dinner table versus you know um, you know rice and beans. So yeah, um, it, it was fun. It was a fun day uh, yesterday in Latrobe. All right, so before we move on to some of these storylines we've got to talk about, uh, including the code being broken, which we'll talk about. Uh, today, you are at the Ravens, right? Yes. Um, yeah, and as we speak today, it is Wednesday, guys. Tomorrow is the Hall of Fame game. Uh, so we'll have something to talk about when we come back at the end of the week here. But, you know, and again, I don't think we'll see the quarterbacks, guys, in that Hall of Fame game. But no. it, it, there is something to be said about just football starting and getting a chance to see these guys on the field. All right, Baldy, um, this Nathaniel Hackett story with Sean Payton, I'll be honest, and, you know, I've covered Sean Payton all those years in the NFC South with the Saints. He's brilliant at what he does. But I was shocked at the comments that he made because it was personal. And it was personal, and it was public. And for that, I was a little taken back. Now, Nathaniel Hackett for the Jets, and I know you spent some time up there recently, came out yesterday and just said, listen, we, I've been in this business 43 years. My dad, you know who his dad is. He says, uh, you know, there, there are things that you do. There's a code. And he's talking about coaches talking about other coaches. Baldy, I thought it was a jerk move by Sean Payton, straight up. I just did. Yeah. I think that's, that's really the hard part is you can internalize that. You can look at the film and see some breakdowns and, Say, what are they doing here? You can internalize that. And you can sit your quarterback in a room and internalize it. Look, Russell, this ain't happening this year. We're not going to have this clock management issue. You can internalize that. And that's where it should go. It should just stay in-house. It it, it caught me. It caught everybody off guard. Everybody's talking about it. It's a new story, number one. They play each other, I think, week five this year. Uh, The Jets went to Denver and beat them last year. Nobody could get the ball past Sauce Gardner in that game. That had nothing to do with uh, the head coach. You know, nothing at all. Like, they tried. I mean, Sauce was the best corner in football last year. So, um, they tried all the way to the final play of the game to, to, to win that game. Um, Brees Hall went for, I don't know, 60 or 70 in our touchdown run. I don't think that was Nathaniel Hackett's fault. Um, they couldn't tackle. But so, regardless, look, I, I played for <laughs> Nathaniel Hackett's dad, Paul Hackett in Dallas. He was my offense coordinator for a couple of years. Like, I've known the family a long time. Look, Aaron Rodgers did all the right things. You support your coach. And but he 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 it's genuine though. It's genuine love for the coach, the father, the the leader. Like it, it's genuine for all that. It's just unnecessary. That's the word. It was just unnecessary for Sean to do that. I understand that he may be supporting his quarterback publicly. Like all you people out there want to trash Russell Wilson. I'm just telling you, it had nothing to do with Russell was so that's fine. If that's what that, this is about, and I think there's a large part that that's what this is about, it's just completely unnecessary. You talked about the code. I don't think we've ever heard any code. We've seen a lot of bad coaching, Carl. One right. and done. Guys fired in the middle of the first year. You know, uh, Lou Holtz walked out of the Jets in 1977, like two-thirds of the way through the season. It's not for me. We've all seen coaches that didn't belong. You know, I played for Steve Spurrier in college. He didn't belong in the NFL. We, you know, it, it didn't take long to figure that out. He, he belonged back at, you know, Florida or South Carolina where he went. So it's just, I, I can't ever recall any coach calling another coach out like that. 
Yeah, uh, and it was in an interview, guys, with USA Today. That happened last week, and then there's been the response this week. And Aaron Rodgers, to Baldy's point, just basically said, look, keep my coach's name out your mouth, right. you know? And, uh, and and the rest of the Jets, the guys on the team were saying, hey, Aaron speaks for us. So yeah. you, you want to galvanize a team, Baldy? Go ahead and criticize somebody on that team or, or on that staff I think, listen, the Jets have a lot on their plate. But if you just want to go ahead and piss them off a little bit more, I, you probably just did it. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, the storylines for that game with the Jets in Denver have already been drawn. I mean, w- the week before won't end on Monday night before they start talking. Right. I mean, it'll be the front line. You know how these things can just get ex- explosive, Carl. I mean, it's going to be headlines on every network, every pregame show. Like, it's just going to – like, if we think – if Sean and the gang and the, and everybody's talking about it now, wait till the week of the game when that's the marquee, like all of a sudden, that's the marquee headline already for that game. And I don't know that anybody, I'm sure, you know, Aaron Rodgers, knowing Aaron Rodgers and kind of knowing how everybody thinks how Aaron Rodgers thinks, you're going to dangle that carrot in front of him that week of that game. I mean, you might see the best game Aaron's ever played. Yeah, right. He might throw for five touchdowns. And by the way, as much as he was trying to defend this guy, uh, Sean Payton just put a little pressure on Russell Wilson. He better show up that week. You know, he better show up that week because that is going to be part of the conversation as well. Well, there's bulletin board material in this business. Sometimes we just sort of manufacture it, right, Carl? We just manufacture something that's not really there. But, you know, there was one line taken out of context and it just, you know, it gets explosive. But this is more than that. This is like personal. And so you bet that um, Robert Sala, will you, anybody is looking for motivation in this business. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs are telling people they're disrespectful. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's just how far it goes, okay? Yeah, right, right. So, like, all you're looking for is that character dangle in front of play. Like, just how athletes and coaches are wired. You tell us we can't do something. You tell us we stink. You tell us that, you know, it was the worst coaching job ever. Just tell a coach that, a player that, and you're going to get the best out of that person. Baldy, while we're talking about the Jets, and by the way, Robert Saul, I love his comments. He said, well, if you uh, if you don't have haters, you're not popping. <laughs> yeah. I did like that line. It was funny. I mean, listen, yeah. he's right. If you don't have guys that are hating on you for whatever reason, you're not doing the job uh, that you need to be doing. But but Dalvin or uh, Dalvin Cook visits the Jets. Baldy, I thought he was going to be signed. I didn't think they'd let him let him leave. And everybody was saying it felt good. What's the holdup? What are we? What, what are they doing there? Well, I think there's a lot of interest from other teams, and so, and I don't think that Dalvin believes that the top dollar has been offered to him yet. Mm-hmm. And that's what leverage, and that's what getting other teams involved is all about. We're seeing as in Indianapolis, and we'll probably get to that here, but we're seeing a need for running backs right now in some of these organizations and some of these teams. We haven't played a preseason game yet. We don't know who might get hurt in practice, a scrimmage, whatever. I mean, Dalvin's, I don't believe in any rush. I think he would love to be a Jet. I think I've talked to Woody Johnson about it. Um, I think they're very interested. They don't want to rush Brees Hall back. Uh, I'm sure Brees Hall's not going to be excited if Dalvin Cook comes in. But I know this, and I said this to Woody. I said, if Dalvin Cook comes through that, uh, into that locker room, there's every single guy in that team 
is going to turn their heads going, Dalvin's here. Like, we're, this is for real. Yeah. Like, this thing is for real. This, like, he, 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 he has that sort of cachet and that sort of toughness to him. Um, but I think Dalvin's sitting back right now going, hey, I'm not in a rush. It's, you know, it's August 2nd. Uh, let's see if there's another team that is need of a running back. And let's see if whatever dollar amount has been offered, and I think there's an offer that's been made by the Jets. Like, Dalvin's sitting back and going, okay. Um, you know, Saquon's playing for $11 million. Um, you know, maybe I can get eight, nine, ten, or more incentives or whatever. You know, if the if the the bidding war gets going for him, one year, I'm guessing one year, go in, ball out, and then Dalvin's back on the market. Like a lot of these other guys are going to be next year. But I mm-hmm. agree with you. And, and real quick, I just want to ask you this: going back to the Cowboys, since we're talking about Dalvin Cook not being signed. Uh, spoke to some people there in the Cowboys organization. Everybody's saying they need to get Zach Martin at camp. What were you hearing while you were out there? Because I want to revisit this because everybody's just kind of like, hey. And then Jerry came out and was like, hey, guys made a lot of money. It was a high draft pick. We paid him. And then Jerry had the audacity to say, hey, we got to pay guys like Micah coming up and basically saying we got other guys that we've got on the forefront. And I'm like, Jerry, ask Dak about this. So what are you hearing? I heard the same thing. I mean, when Jerry made those comments, I was probably sitting, you know, 20 yards away from him. And there was a big crowd around him uh, when that question was asked to him. So he used to give him the state of the union. They just gave 96 million to Trayvon Diggs. <clears throat> they do have to play Micah. And, but, you know, all the while, Zach's sitting back there and going, um, do you remember when Zeke said that I was the best player on this <laughs> offense and that every run ends up behind Highway 70 there, Zach Martin? Uh, and which is true. Um, he's an elite player and he's looking at a lot of guards, including, you know, a lot of guards that got paid uh, recently. And he's a little bit lower on the totem pole than a guy that has six first six or five or six all all pro um, little stars next to his names over the last nine years. And he's going into year 10 and he's been just the hallmark of what guard play should be like in this league. And so you got to strike when the iron's hot. Um, but this thing, this thing might get ugly because I think Zach knows how important he is. They, this line doesn't have a lot of depth. He's their best offensive lineman. Tyron Smith's best years might be behind him. I don't want to say they are, but he certainly has had his injuries over the last few years. Terrence Steele's coming back from a major injury. Like if this line isn't great, this whole thing could collapse with Brandon Cooks and Tony Pollard and, and Dak saying, you know, you'll never see those kind of interception totals again for me. Like all that stuff we heard and have seen could easily fall apart if Zach Martin isn't in that lineup. It's a big deal. Cowboy fans on edge uh, when you talk about the de- uh, the development of how that offense is going to look and you don't have your best offensive lineman. It could be a problem. We're going to keep an eye out. Baldy was just out there with the Cowboys. It's in the huddle, guys. Subscribe, like us, tell your friends, wherever you get your podcast, Odyssey is the place and you can also watch us on youtube in the huddle pod and check out all the episodes as we continue basically our training camp episodes here as we're getting gearing up for the season um the other big story obviously was and has been jonathan taylor this is also weird baldy because jonathan taylor came out this week and said look i don't have any back issues i haven't had any back issues what are you i don't know where you guys are getting this and yet the team put it put it out there that he did But prior to that, 
this meeting with Jim Irsay and Jonathan Taylor, what was said? Because I get the sense that, that Irsay said, I'm not paying you, right? Play your contract out. We'll talk next season or in the offseason. And I think it obviously pissed off Jonathan Taylor. And Taylor was like, I want out. I want to trade. And that became huge news this week. Because I think Jonathan Taylor, Boldy, you tell me, is he not their best player? Yeah. Yeah, it was Quentin Nelson. Uh, but J- Jonathan Taylor, when he led the league in rushing two years ago, he was the best player and still is. All, I mean, both sides of the ball. Um, you know, pick, pick a position. He's their best player. Um, I remember I played for the Colts. I played for Jim Irsay. I remember one year Eric Dickerson held out. He just won the rushing title. Not coming to training camp. Said some things. They suspended him for like six games and ended up signing him back. Wanted a new deal, that kind of thing. I think they – I don't remember all the details of that year, but I think they they buckled, caved, and Dickerson got his new deal. Um, you know, I, but but it, that in line with that, the Colts have a legacy of just like great backs. I mean, you go Eric Dickerson and Marshall Falk and Edron James, James, and here's Jonathan Taylor. And I'm, yep. I don't know if Jonathan Taylor's a, a gold jacket player, but – you know, when you lead the league in rushing, run for eighteen hundred yards, like you're, you're on your way. You know, you're starting to build a pretty good resume. So then you get Shane Steichen in there, and Shane's coming from Philadelphia, where you know they had a, you know, the quarterback was a big part of the running game, but they they ran the ball. And you figure with if Anthony Richardson gets on the field, whether he starts the season or eventually gets out there, we believe we're going to see him. Um, you were going to use the running game as a cap, you know, as a entree to this offense and they need Jonathan Taylor in there. He's got leverage. I thought it was, I think the timing of this thing is weird. You know, like we're in camp and now we're saying, I want to be traded. Ursa is coming out and saying some of the explosive things he said, like this stuff seems like it should have been done. Um, even before the draft, if you felt that way or after the draft and you're in OTAs and you're like, man, I ain't feeling it. Like I, you know, I'm looking at this running back, um, situation out there in this league. I, I got to get my back, whatever it is. Like to do it the first week of camp puts everybody like on the defense. It, it hurts the head coach. It hurts the offense. It hurts the team right now. And, you know, look, I, I'm all about players doing their business. I don't want to get in the way of Jonathan Taylor feeling like, um, you know, he needs a, an extension, new deal, whatever it is. But we see how tough it is right now for these backs. And so, you know, Ursa was pretty – you know, he's pretty strident in his comments, too. So it looks like there's a big schism there. We've seen these things come together. We saw Kyler Murray last year. You know, Carl say, I want out. I want to be traded. Next thing you know, he got, you know, maybe the richest deal, you know, for quarterback in the league. So these things have a habit of a way of working themselves out, and bygones can be bygones. But this feels like they're pretty far apart right now. Yeah, and for Ursay. I just, here's my issue, Baldy. You've got all this running back conversation going on. No other owners are talking about it. Nobody else is saying anything. And Ursa comes out and says, we're not doing a new deal with these guys. You know, we've got a deal in place and we're not doing jack. And it's almost like, hello, read the room. You've got a guy that's asking for a new deal who's one of the best in his position in the, in the business. And you're basically saying, screw you while you're coming out and speaking allegedly for all the other owners when nobody else is talking. And I just thought, like, Ursay has this knack, right? I mean, when when the whole Washington Commanders thing was going on, right? And, and Daniel Snyder, what do you think? Oh, I think it's only a matter of time before he's out of here. No other owners were saying anything. 
So Jimmy, he's just popping off at unopportune times. And I just thought this one, he didn't read the room. If you have negotiations or a, a, a guy that you uh, is, is as important to your team as Jonathan Taylor is, I just don't know why he would do that and then upset Taylor. And now you're at this point where he could have kept all of this behind closed doors. Well, you could have you could have said that to Jonathan's agent, and nobody yes. would be talking about it. Nobody yes. would know. And that seems like that's where the conversation should have gone. It should have gone to Jonathan's agent. You can also call Jonathan in the room and keep talking. Keep the lines of communication open. There's a lot of way to handle this. Um, Jim's the owner. Um, you know he runs that team. Uh, he's turned. He's helped turn that place into a football town. I mean, think, I think Peyton had more to do that with anything. But um, you know, they, they've had. That's a football town. They're all watching. Uh, I just think you could you could do that with Jonathan's agent behind closed doors. Real quick, while we're talking about running backs, Baldy, um, I, I was talking to some executives uh, over the last week or so as camps got underway, just trying to get a better feel for this whole running back thing. I want to share this with you and get your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, it's in it's in the huddle, guys. Carl Dukes, along with Brian Baldinger, Jason Lockonfor, also a part of this podcast, as we are uh, putting out new episodes every Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, depending on what's going on, breaking news, et cetera, make sure you subscribe. So I had two different executives tell me, Dukes, this running back thing is not collusion. Okay, and I'm like, well, it looks like it from the outside, right? It looks like all these teams are going, we're not doing it, we're not doing it. And I had two executives tell me, Baldy, going back, because everybody talks about Emmitt Smith when he held out for the two games, then ultimately Jerry Jones paid him and the Cowboys, you know, went on their run. And the thing is, these guys said to me, if you go draw a circle and back during that time in the 90s and you were playing, Baldy, the league was 60-40 run, everybody. 60 40. And he said to me that the executive said to me, now the league is 65 pass, the rest is run. However, jet sweeps, run game, stretch plays, however you want to describe it. And he was saying, as you break up this pie, you have to then, as you have your team, say, look, these are the important pieces, however you want to do it edge, left tackle, and then you get to the running back. Yeah, and then you get to the running back. And I'm only saying this, guys, because I know a lot of people are like, man, what is going on with these running back positions? But the game has changed. It has evolved. And I think philosophy-wise, Baldy, all these teams are looking at it in a very similar way, which makes it look like it's collusion. But the metrics tell everybody, here's how much we're throwing in our game now. Here's how much we're running. How much do I want to break this pie up and pay that individual on my team, which I know is going to affect me long term? Well, I, I, I tend to, well, I do believe that that's the case. And I'm not here to, to denigrate the running back position. Because if you've got a great player, I mean, if you took Nick, Ch- Nick Chubb out of Cleveland, or you take Saquon out of New York, they're, I mean, they're not competing for any playoffs. They're just not. So I, I still believe you've got to pay your great players. Now, I do believe that, though. I do believe this thing is largely being run by metrics. And, I mean, I know owners that get on their coaches – and are telling their coaches, we're not winning a Super Bowl with this type of offense. You know, with the, you're, you're not going to get there. You you might win a lot of games. You might um, it might be the best way to win a game, but you're not winning a Super Bowl like that. Yeah. And so that's kind of driving the league right now. And you look at some of these individuals that have these metrics analytics backgrounds and watch them climb in these organizations, and watch them influence the play calling card. Like it's, it's there. 
So um, it, I think that's a big part of it. Like if you just look at Saquon in New York, obviously they didn't want to give him a, a big guaranteed deal. They just paid the quarterback. They paid the defensive tackle. Just follow. They paid the left tackle. So, okay, like all those positions got paid. Saquon's sitting back going, I'm better than all those guys. And he is. Except you'll watch this year the the resources they put into the receiver position, including Darren Waller, the tight end. They're not going to run it like they did last year. Joe Shane and Brian Dable coming from Buffalo where they were four wides and they were like, it was air raid. Um, you're going to see this Giants offense morph this year where they're not going to rely on Daniel Jones and Saquon the way they did last year to win games because they're going to have better talent on the outside to throw it. Baldy, uh, as we get ready to wrap this edition up, we're just talking about the news around the league, guys. We still are going to break down the AFC South, and we will do that as we continue to preview all of the, the divisions. Coming out of Green Bay, Jordan Love has made it public. Hey, a little bit of frustration with the way the offense has been kind of working. And then we find out that Peyton Manning visited the Packers camp. He spoke to the team, spoke to Jordan Love, um, and he asked Jordan Love, how are you asked to be coached? Are you a guy that wants to be coached really hard? Are you a guy that kind of wants to go down your own and do your own thing? Manning saying to Love, it all matters, uh, and, and kind of describing to him, this is an important part of your process. Kind of interesting stuff from Peyton Manning to try to help Jordan Love say, hey, as you now take over, what, what do you want? How do you want to be, you know, this thing to, to come to you? But uh, rumors, at least out of out of camp, is they've had a little struggles there with the offense, and, and Love's kind of talked about it. Well, it's um, you, you, you can always glean something from Peyton when it comes to the game of football. On every level, uh, you know, he he's the – you know, the producer of quarterback. So he's, you know, he's one that convinced Andy Reid to put the microphone on Patrick Mahomes this year, although Andy didn't want any part of it. Right. Um, but I do think that that's, I, I just knowing Jalen Hurts a little bit, like he wanted to be coached hard and he wasn't coached hard in certain places, um, whether it was Alabama or Philadelphia. And he wanted to be coached hard. Now it doesn't mean he's not going to bristle and brush up against play calls and um, situational football in Philadelphia. But he wanted he, – he thought being coached hard was going to make him grow as a quarterback. And I would hope that Matt LaFleur is going to coach Jordan Love hard. He he hasn't played. He's played – started one game. He's played a handful of plays. Like he needs – he needs coaching. This thing does not come by osmosis. This comes like – Look, I, I kicked the wall in the back of many meeting rooms when I was getting dressed down, you know, about certain techniques or what I was asked to do. And but it was it made me better. I, I had coaches that coached me hard. I became a better player. And so I would hope that Jordan Love would listen to Peyton um, earnestly and take that advice. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, listen, everybody wants to see what this Green Bay offense is going to look like with Love. We'll get a chance in due time. But. I don't boldly take a whole lot from I, – I just try not to, and I hope our, our viewers and our listeners, when you hear like, he didn't have a great day at camp, yeah. doesn't mean he's going to have a bad, bad season, right? I mean, it's just no. – it's camp. It's camp. There's, there, there, you know, there, there's guys out there charting every throw, and he was 8 of 11 and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't pay any attention to any of it, honestly. It, yep. It's it, like what you want from every player 
is to go out there every day, be out there every day, be healthy, be out there every day, walkthroughs, practice, uh, scrimmages, preseason games. You want them out there every day. And then you want them out there going onto the field with a purpose every day. And um, if you can do that and you're coached, you're well coached, you're going to improve. The team's going to improve. They're awfully young in Green Bay. They got two rookie tight ends. They've got three receivers are counting on their in their second years. I mean, they're 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 puppies. They're just puppies right now. Like there's <laughs> like this whole thing is like so young. Like I you know I I, I think Matt Lafleur has come out. I think people in Green Bay have come out and rightfully so. Like you got to temper these expectations on Jordan on this offense. They might take off with confidence and with some success. They might take off this year. But I don't believe they're going to come out of the blocks and be putting up 30 points in these games. I, I just don't see it right now. Brian Baldinger, follow him, guys. Baldy's Breakdowns. Follow this podcast in the huddle. We appreciate you, as always, being here, talking about all things football as we gear up for the upcoming season. Baldy in Baltimore today. So we'll talk about Lamar and uh, some yeah. other things and what you see uh, there in Baltimore. I, I think this is the best offense he might have had or will have. Well, I think it's the best talent around him. Yes. And I think, look, I think he's been well coached. I think the offense he's been in has been great. He was the unanimous MVP of this league three years ago. Um, but I, I do think it has to evolve. And so the receiving core around him is better, including the tight end position. Um, Isaiah likely in the second year, go with Mark Andrews. I, I, I think this has a chance and it's really up to, you know, how Lamar progresses, how accurate he is. Going through like all the stuff you got to do from the pocket, I, I, I think that this has a chance. But I think the talent around him is the best defense. No doubt, Baldy. Enjoy the day in the huddle pod on YouTube, guys. Check it out. We appreciate you being here as always, Baldy. We'll talk later in the week. Yeah. Everybody, thank you. Enjoy. Twenty four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.